What if I told you you could have everything that you ever wanted in this life? Well, you'd have to sacrifice a piece of yourself to go and get it. Would you still go for it? It's cold outside. You know, a typical January in the city of Des Moines, Iowa, it's a Saturday in the year 2019. The windshield made it about 26 degrees colder than it should be, needed to be, or any of us wanted it to be. And um, there was a slight layer of snow that sat on the ground, but nothing to really you know, bat an eye over. They for sure weren't canceling school type snow. Um, there was a snow plow that passed me on my left as I made my way westbound towards Woolies. And you see, typically I'd be going to Woolies to bar back or occasionally bartend if the opportunity presented itself. But tonight was a little different. Tonight I was walking into a sold out show. I was gonna get to perform with the show that I had helped to orchestrate and put on at that, a show that would change my life forever, CultureCon, which was a standpoint in the city that showed what collaborative, what collaborative efforts could do when you come together for something better. As I walked in, I could feel the electricity immediately. It was packed shoulder to shoulder with friends, fans, family members, all moving around in this maze that was now the venue. We had a market set up towards the back that was showcasing art, we had food, and a couple other attractions. To my right, there was a barber giving out haircuts to some of the performers that would be on stage. Uh, we had live art and a few other attractions over there as well. Uh, I, shook, I shook up with a few familiar faces as I made my way to get backstage. I had never seen Woolies this full before, ever. And I got my ass whooped plenty of times being a bar back, plenty of times. You know, them country shows is a little crazy. They'd be drinking that bush light. And, um, <laughs> And uh, as I got backstage, I noticed that it was no less packed back there as well. Uh, a bunch of the artists had their friends and family back there, so I couldn't get to the green room and you know, relax like I typically would before my performance, but you know, who cares? I had to perform at a very high level at that. You see, I had practiced with my band members for weeks on end leading up to the event. I brought videographers and photographers to every single one of those rehearsals to help document and then put on social medias to draw attraction to it. I sold over 250 tickets individually to ensure success, and I knew every one of those songs like the back of my hand. Boy, I was ready, I promise. But something was missing. It was a massive hole. One that was not going to be filled by the success, by the crowd noise, by any of that money that I was sure to receive afterwards. You see, I was heartbroken. Three weeks prior to that event, the love of my life and I at the time decided to head our separate ways. We had spent four plus years together building memories, laughs, love, a friendship, all while simultaneously kind of growing our own separate ways as well. Um, I think I was reluctant to read the writing on the wall. I knew that it was coming to an end, but you know, I chose ignorance as opposed to acceptance, and I didn't want to accept the fact that it was going to be done. Um, and eventually it did, but that was okay because I thought I had it all and I did have it all. You see, I lived in a house full of creatives in Sherman Hills on 16th and Woodland, about two blocks that way. And we built a studio in that house that we recorded in daily. My love even lived with me for a majority of that time. And I think we still might be in that house if it wasn't for the fact that our landlord lived right next door because it was a duplex. And he started to wonder why we were running a halfway house for creatives. Uh, so it didn't, it, it didn't really work out the best. And that was all right. You see, me and her came from two different worlds. She was born into war-torn Bosnia in the early 90s, and I had a fairly simple life growing up in Des Moines. She moved with her family from Bosnia to Germany and from Germany to the US by the age of seven. And the biggest move that I had had was from here in Des Moines to Las Vegas in the seventh grade. You know, her values were kind of based within her family and moving as a unit and staying secure as one. And that's not to say that mine wasn't, it was just kind of different. 
You see, I watched my mother bust her ass for my entire life. She spent 35 years working for the American Red Cross, moving up and showing that she was not only a suitable candidate for a male-dominated position, but also a force to be reckoned with and brought value to this company. She made a sacrifice. She dedicated that time, but she was gone a lot. You see, I remember her being gone for days, if not weeks at a time, and when she was home, it was cool. You know, we went out to eat, which is still one of my favorite pastimes, you know. You know, as long as somebody else paying. But uh, <laughs> we would meander around the neighborhood, and you know, we'd even watch Law & Order SVU, you know, that typical family bonding in the early 2000s. But I watched her make an enormous sacrifice, right? She dove into her career to change the entire trajectory of her family, and not only that, to prove to herself that she was capable, beyond capable of doing this work. And that was okay. You see, there was nothing that I missed. I didn't miss a meal. There wasn't a pair of shoes or a jersey that I didn't have sitting under that tree come Christmas time. And man, our family vacations, when I tell you about those, no, I'm just playing. They were actually my mom's work trips, but she, you know, she turned them out, that was all right. Um, <laughs> But you know, I came to realize something. I knew she wanted to be at every one of my taekwondo events, every football and basketball game. I knew she wanted to be at all the band recitals and even the parent-teacher conferences to have them tell them that I was talking too much. But sometimes she couldn't be, and that's not because she didn't want to, it's because physics don't allow you to be in two places at one time. I know Elon Musk and Kanye are working on it, but they haven't got there yet. <laughs> but you see, I noticed something. At a pretty young age, about myself, I had this, this burning desire to learn more, this intrigue to see what I hadn't yet, to discover and figure out just more and more and more and more, an obsession, some might say. But I couldn't figure out what it was. I, I didn't know what I was obsessed with, honestly. I didn't know if it was money, power, job, status, women, good, bad, evil, ugly, what it was. I just knew I needed something. I knew I needed to prove something, and to some capacity, I still do. You see, growing up mixed brought about its own challenges, right? My mother is white and my father is black, which created this little mixed kid wandering around Des Moines trying to find his placement, find his group that he was supposed to identify with. You know, I have a lyric in one of my songs off of my West album that reads, I was too dark for the whites and not black enough for my race, which simply encompasses how I felt for a majority of my life. You see, unless I walked into every room introducing myself as a mixed kid, I knew what I looked like. To the blind eye, it was pretty typical. It was a black man a black man in America at that. And to so many that's still seen as a threat. I knew the chances, the opportunities in this microscope that I was under was significantly different than some of my counterparts. I knew that same grace, understanding, forgiveness, and overall privilege that was extended to white America typically was not given to me that often, to us that often. So I studied different. I drove my car different. I was in relationships different. I excelled and even thrived different because I knew that I had to. You see, I studied the dynamic of this country at a pretty early age. I started to piece the dominoes and all these effects that started falling into place. And I started to understand what was going on. This mechanism that was American capitalism was going to survive, thrive, separate, and dominate by any means necessary. Therefore, when any entity, individual, or group of people tried to come together to, you know, pull back that veil or erase that makeup that is America, at some points, in some capacity, they're taken care of. They're hushed. I think it's ironic. A lot of my idols from Martin Luther King Jr. to Huey P. Newton to Medgar Evers and Bungie Carter to Fred Hampton to Malcolm X to Bob Marley, to Tupac Shakur, to Christopher Wallace, and the late, great Nipsey Hussle have all been silenced. 
And for what? Because they became too powerful? They spoke their truth too often? They united too many people to combat these evils that existed? You see, I think that's where my obsession truly lies. It was with this want to understand why. Why did this happen and why would this keep happening? You see, I think it's ironic. In 2020, during COVID, when people weren't allowed to go to their favorite bars, restaurants, Walmarts, and Walgreens, people damn near lost their minds. They posted it was an outrage, that their freedoms were being purged, their First Amendment right was in question, that they would not be told what they could and could not do because we live in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? But imagine for a second, not being able to participate in the country that you built from the ground up. Imagine walking into a bank and not being able to get a business loan to start that dream job that you've always wanted or even build that house because that particular firm or branch doesn't loan to colored people. Imagine what you might do with 256 years of free labor, slave labor. What kind of greed and wealth and status do you think you might have? Imagine reading whites only or colors in the back or better yet, blacks not allowed for a majority of your life or all of your life growing up in the South. What do you think that do to you? To your spirit, to your heart, to your conscious mind, to your attitude, to your lineage, to your heritage, to your culture, and to your people. Do you think it would hinder it? Maybe hurt it, damage it a little bit, create this chip on your shoulder, this want and this demand for more, an obsession maybe? You see, I know I can't have it all. I know I can't be it all to every single person, but I will about my truth. I will about my mission by any means necessary. I'll succeed, I'll thrive, and I'll dominate because I have to. For those that came before me and sacrificed to every one of my brothers and sisters who is with me now and to every single person that's sure to soon follow, I have a responsibility. And you know, no accolades going to tell me that I made it, no trophy sitting on my mantle case will tell me to slow down, and no amount of money that I've raised and or sitting in my bank account will tell me you've done it. And I think that's okay. Because, you know, you remember that cold Saturday night in 2019? I've become a lot more obsessed since that night. I recognize my mission, my obsession, and my vision. I sold up that same venue that we call Woolies five more times. I was named the Outstanding Young Iowan in 2020. I was named the recent humanitarian award winner by my alma mater, Simpson College. I was named the volunteer of the year and friend of education by the Des Moines Public School Systems in 2020. I was named to the Des Moines Register's 2021 People to Watch. I performed on the steps of the Capitol with the Des Moines Symphony for Yankee Doodle Pops in front of thousands of people after being commissioned to make a piece as to what freedom truly meant to me. So I wrote it from the perspective of a young black man in 1865 who just realized through the Emancipation Proclamation that he was now a free man in a country that never wanted him to begin with. I helped to organize and rally up the troops in protest in the city of Des Moines during COVID in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. Along with my beautiful friends and my teammates, 
We started a nonprofit organization in 2020 by the name of the Be Well Foundation. We've raised $300,000 since its inception and given it all back to the Des Moines Public School System to help provide not only resources and mentorship, but help level this playing field in these socioeconomic despair neighborhoods that exist. And if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, I suggest you hop in your car tomorrow morning and drive by North High School. And then hop in that same car and drive on 235 and get out to West Des Moines, go see where Waukee plays, go see where Valley plays their high school football, and then shoot me a message and tell me what the difference is that you saw. I was named to the Des Moines Business Records 40 under 40 and a list of other accolades that I will not mention because it's unnecessary. But I do understand one thing, that one slip up, screw up, F up, and it's all gone because I'm playing under different rules. So I'm obsessed with the details and the focus and all of the little things that nobody cares to see, has to see, or even wants to see. And that's okay. I've realized that. And I know that relationships are important. That same girl that I spoke on changed my life forever. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her. But I understand that I can't juggle it all right now because I had to make a decision just like my mother did to fight for something that was so much bigger than myself. So there is no money, there is no power, seen or unseen, or any individual that will have me sacrifice my dignity, my integrity, or my obsession with betterment. So from here on out, I will continue to become more, do more, and be more. Because I am obsessed, and I think it's okay. Thank you, Des Moines.